0: I've got more things than my podium is able to hold, maybe. Let's see. We'll rearrange some things. Well, today is Easter Sunday. The title of today's message is, This Changes Everything. John G. Lake, founder of The Healing Room, says, Christianity is different from all other religions in the world. Every other religion except for Christianity has no need of a body or resurrection. Existence after death is merely a spirit existence, but not so with Christianity. Christianity has necessity for a resurrection. The reason for the resurrection is that the kingdom of Christ is not to be in heaven entirely. It is to be in this world. And the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is to rule in this world. Consequently, as we live in this world, we will need a body like our Lord's, capable of existence here and capable of existence in heaven. Coexisting now. Ruling now. The resurrection changes everything. But the resurrection has to be more than just an applause of, ooh, ah, the tomb is empty. It must be the basis. It must be the foundation of our very existence. We must allow this to change everything. Everything we see, everything we feel, everything we do. Think about it. If God... The creator of all the universe Sent his one and only son to earth as a man This changes everything If Jesus really did Restore our broken relationship with God our heavenly father This changes everything If Jesus' death really paid the penalty of all sin This changes everything. If Jesus was really resurrected from the dead, this changes everything. If Jesus really has all power, all authority over all the earth and even under the earth, this changes everything. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, this changes everything. But you can sit here today hear this truth and not change a thing. See, you have to not only know the truth, you have to believe the truth and you have to live the truth and then everything changes. It has to change your paradigm. And I used to struggle over that word when I was first a Christian until finally one of my teachers explained to me it's like taking a paradigms as binoculars and it focuses your view so you see that precisely and that's what it needs to do heaven needs to change your focus your paradigm and so you zoom in on seeing everything through the lens of heaven then this changes everything everything changes the way I look at you, the way I look at problems, the way I look at my future, the way I look at death, everything will change. When God deposited this message into me, started to a couple months ago, I started getting excited. I'm like, oh my. it does change everything. And I've been a Christian for a long time. I know I only look in my 1920s, right? Or maybe I was born in 1920. No, I wasn't. I'm so young but then a couple weeks ago. I'm I love gifts. I'm a gift giver. My love language is gifts So I thought oh, I gotta find I already knew this was a message We were gonna be preaching for Easter But I wanted to find a, a gift to give you this morning that went along with it So ushers if you're ready to start handing out those gifts I look yeah, I know and of course it's chocolate ladies. Hello Hello Chocolate goes with anything. I could preach a message. It's it's applicable because of the sweetness of God. Um, God doesn't like dark chocolate because it's bitter. But if you want to eat of it just to remind you this is what hell is like, go ahead. <laughs> now I sweet. So you do have you do have chocolate in there, but he I, this I found a devotion. Have you ever watched the movie Heaven is for Real? Yeah, that's a real life story of this boy Colton. I think he was like seven years old, or some, or five years. I don't remember. Young little boy that had a heaven an experience, and he started. I mean, it changed his parents. His parent, his dad was a pastor. And we watched this movie again last night, which for only God could put it on last night. You know, right before this message. But I'm like, they're struggling with the issue. That the boy had a heaven experience and that might change the way you preach as a pastor. I kept looking over at my husband saying, you know, this is the church board that's getting after the pastor about teaching that heaven might change the way you view things. But anyway, sorry. I I won't. But this... This is a devotion book based off that movie, and it says heaven changes everything. How appropriate. And then I'm like, Lord, I don't want to spend $14.99 a piece for these, even though I do value you. I I tend to be conservative in that way. And so God was gracious enough to give these to us for $0.99. So, just in case you was at the business meeting last Sunday night and you looked at this and already, what's she doing spending that kind of money? It's 99 cents, okay? So, but let me while you're getting your gift, they're handing them out one to every family unit and a, one bag of chocolate. Ladies, let the man hold the book; you eat the chocolate. <laughs> Honey, this one's for you. No, um, but then the youth that are in here, we do have candy for you too, so you won't bug mom and dad for theirs. All right, let me just read you a couple of excerpts from the back of this book. This was written by his parents, Colton's parents, Todd and Sonia. Todd wrote here, "Uh, imagine being completely fearless on earth because you know that after this life you are going to heaven. And you know, really know you're going to love it there. That's the promise heaven holds for you. That's the promise heaven holds for us. That's how it changes everything. Whatever situation you're going through right now, keep that promise in mind. Todd goes on to say, I long for heaven and often wish I could get there sooner rather than later. Sometimes I even dream about it. When you long for something, it impacts all of the details of your life. My longing for heaven saturates everything I do. It has caused my priorities to shift and helped replace the worries and trials I encounter each day with thoughts of wonderful, carefree, that wonderful, carefree place that I'll be living in in the future. Looking forward to heaven is like that, but so much bigger. When you're heaven-minded and have that kind of eager anticipation All kinds of things will change in your life. You'll find healing as you release hurts and pains that others can't let go of. You might not have the answers to all of your present day issues and challenges, but you know that one day you'll get those answers in heaven. When you're heaven-minded, you also find fulfillment. When others live without any direction or meaning in this world, you live with the confidence that your life has found its course and your bearings are set. You know your destination is heaven. When you're heaven-minded, the only thing that matters here in the long run is what? No, it's who you take with you. Who else is going to be there because of the boldness Confidence peace and fulfillment you've shown as you live a heaven-minded life on earth See heaven changes everything You have to get this you have to shift your focus you have to hone in And and focus in so like everything you do everything you say everything you think everything you live for everything you long for Is focused in with heaven in mind you understand this changes everything. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to spend the majority of our time in John. Which out of the Gospels, John is called the, the love chapter, the love book. But if today I could give you One truth that would change the way you think, change the way you feel, change the way you love, change the way you look at people, change the way you look at problems. It would be this. That the resurrection proves God's soul loved. Do you understand if the story played out any other way? If the plan of God ended at the cross and the burial of Jesus, boy, that would change everything. We would go through life knowing that he came as God's son, that he showed us love, that he uh, did the miracles, that he commissioned, you know, that he died on the cross for our sins. We'd see all that. But the minute he's wrapped up and put in the tomb and sealed, if that's where he stayed, we'd go through life with a stutter in our step. Uh, 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 even if we had the rest of the gospel that said he now seats, he's seated now at the right hand of God. If they didn't see him, it's kind of like, but see, God didn't do that to us. God so loved that it said he didn't abandon his son to the grave. I believe he so loved hit us that he let us see that he didn't abandon his son to the grave. And it said that he walked the earth after he was resurrected. And at one time he saw Mary in the garden right at first. And at first he said, oh, don't touch me. I haven't went to my father yet. But as soon as he did, he came back, boom, walking through walls. Yet yeah, you can touch me. Yeah. Boom, walking through walls. And hey, I'm hungry. You got something to eat? Walking along the road, and all of a sudden he just appears with them, talking. Sitting there eating dinner with them, all of a sudden he just disappeared. But he was eating with them. Do you understand he loved us so much that he not only didn't abandon his son to the grave, but he also said, you need to see this, that this isn't the final word. You need to change the way you see things. That heaven just isn't about a place we're going someday. It's about heaven on earth. Now your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. That means now. And he said, greater works will you do than even I did. What does that mean? It means what he did I can do. I want to be praying here and go there and come back here and say, hey, I was just there. We were just praying for so-and-so. I was there. I prayed for him. Came back here. Now they're here. Right? I want to see a funeral and stand at the funeral and feel the unction of the Holy Spirit saying that was not that boy's time. Go get him up. Okay. Right. Greater things. You know, what he did it's us. Do you understand that what he did? He did to show that that's what he wants for us to go and do. That's why he said, I commission you. I command you to go What? and just pray for people and hope the best. No, he said, go heal the sick. Go set the oppressed free. Go deliver them from the evil one. Why? Because this was not the last word. Do you see that? Do you see that? This changes everything. We're going to look at the extreme shift that can take place in your life if you hear this truth Believe this truth and start living this truth That one, God so loved One, God so loved Two, that Jesus showed us how to love And three, that we are commanded to go so, S-O-W, love You like that play on words? That was so creative I'm not that creative But here's God so loved God so loved John 3, 16 How many has heard that scripture before? You've been at the football games and seen the sign being held up, right? Let me challenge you like I do every week. When you read the Bible, stop reading it. Study it. Eat it. (laughs) Slow down. Look at every word. They're there for a reason. God is a big God, but he's also so big that he loves detail. So when he puts a word in there like I've told you before that says, therefore, what are you supposed to do? Find out what it's there for means go behind that and study, therefore, because I just said this, therefore, listen. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved. Have you ever signed a card and at the end, you just put, Love, Hannah, right? But then there's some people, like Graydon, you'd probably, what, Love you so much, right? Brandon's like, yeah, baby. She does that with little hearts and exclamation hearts and hearts and hugs and kiss, right? Loves you so much. God so loved the world. So loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have eternal life. The last word doesn't stop here. If you believe in him. And he says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But to save the world through him. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. And listen this was not a world that was in a perfect place. This was not a, a world of perfect people. It says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So God didn't sit back on his big throne, look over at Jesus. He actually had to look over this way, right? Because he sits at his right hand and say, oh, there they did it. That's it. We're done. You got to go now. Now look what they did. No, it said he so loved the world. So it wasn't your sin that drew him or or compelled him to send his son. It was his value. It was his redeeming. It was not that God is loving. It's God is love. That his heart, his love compelled him. I got to give my best to redeem them back. It was his love. The value that he has in you. He sees in you that he said, I have I have to give my best. And this one used to, I, I'm telling you, when I first heard that, because I grew up in the church and then I backslid as a teenager, I used to hear this, God sent his son, and it would make me so mad. I'm like, you wimp. Send your son? You couldn't come down here? I know, you're like, stand away, lightning's coming. God's not afraid of your honesty with him, really. And I used to get so mad, what kind of God would send his son to do his work? Didn't make any sense till I had my first child. Everything changed. Because what does mama's heart or papa's heart say? You can do whatever you want to to me, right? Go ahead. Don't touch my kid. Don't touch my child. Now everything changes. Now, when I read God sent his one and only son, my heart went, oh, no, now I can see the weight of that. Now I can hear the father's heart that, you know, I value them so much. I love them so much. I love the world so much. I'm going to give not just himself, but his son. Now that means something. God so loved the Christian must understand that this John three sixteen scripture is not just a call to salvation. Listen carefully, because too many times we get familiar with scriptures and we almost familiar the meaning right out of them. We rattle off things that we've memorized, and for some reason, actually you're spouting it off like an incantation, and and you don't you don't take the weightiness of it anymore. Please be careful with that. God so loved the world means that that love, like I said, is not God loves the world, but he so loved the world that we have to understand when we can accept that, when we finally take that, that God, make it personal, God so loved me that he sent his only son. That when we surrender to that love, when we open up and say, God, I try to, but I'm just, I, I can't compare to loving you like you need to be loved. See, we don't have to earn God's love. We don't have to do all the right things to get God's love. We have to surrender to God's love. And when we surrender to his love, Lord, here I am, all of you, all of your love in me. I lay everything else down. Then his love comes in and it's said that it completes us. That means it fills every fiber, every little nook and cranny in your life in such a complete way that there's no empty parts in you. You Wonder why you get easily offended why you get easily angered why your emotions are up and down based on who hits like and who hits Dislike why didn't I get 50 likes on my dinner last night, you know, and now the whole world hates me It's because you've got empty spots You've got empty spots And you said oh no 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 I I, I don't care what other people think well These triggers, these things that go off in you, those roller coaster of emotions and easily angered here and offended here and this person didn't say this and that person didn't. They reveal empty spots. And I'm going to show you that when you uh, finally let it all go and let God so love you to fill you completely. It doesn't matter what he says, she says, he didn't say, she didn't say, he did, he didn't do. It doesn't matter. Because it's God so loves me. Point two, that now Jesus shows love. Jesus showed love. Look over at John chapter 13. Let me show you this. John chapter 13. Verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He's going to show them the full extent of his love. Let me show you how he did this. Verse 3. Because Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. Because Jesus knew, God loves me. He was so filled and so full of God's love that he was able to stand up and show them the full extent of love. And it goes on to say, Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, wrapped the towel around his waist, and began to wash their feet. That's showing the full extent of love. Well, how do you do that? You want me to wash people's feet? He's showing them how to serve, how to love others. And you can't do that unless you first know, God loves me. He knew. It said it was very simple. He knew What he was there for, that God had sent him. He knew God is so in love with me that I can love them. Why? Out of his love. You can only pretend, really. You can only uh, get close to loving other. Others. I mean you might see a, a man and you look at him look how much he loves that woman But unless the love first is filled here, it's only a counterfeit really at best here You understand that we cannot love The way love is meant to be loved Unless it comes from God And then we can love through Jesus couldn't even love Before he was loved before he knew love course at the beginning he was with he was with God right he knew love but it's like he had to strengthen himself again and say okay I know what I'm here for okay God I know you love me okay you know why he's about ready he's about ready to face it all he knew it was time for him to go I think this is a good time. I think we're, going, we're not pausing here. I'm going to continue on. But if the ushers are ready to start handing out communion, this is what they were doing right here at this point. But while the ushers are handing out communion, first let me just explain to you. If you don't know what communion is, um, Jesus was sitting here with the disciples, and it's called the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. When it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, he's eating this meal together with him. Jesus, knowing, knowing he is the spotless lamb of God. I've got that one. Jesus, knowing that he was a spotless lamb. Prepared to die for the sins of the world. He now shares this intimate meal with them. Appropriately called communion. Communion. It's an intimate meal. Intimate meal. Communion. Showing them the comparison between these symbols before them on the table. And what the sacrifice he was about ready to make. So while they're handing this out, let me just paint you a picture here. Because again, we're talking about Jesus is showing love. It says, because he knew that God loved him, he was able to show the full extent of his love. See, back in the Bible days, It was customary at this time, you know, his disciples went to him and said, hey, it's about the Passover time. Where do you want to go and and take the meal together? And he says, hey, go into this town and ask this person, where's the upper room for me, the room you prepared for me, and, and then put it together. It will be there just like I said. Of course, Jesus said it, right? So they go, they prepare the room, upper room, they prepare, you know, the table and everything. Well, it's customary. That when you come into a doorway, right there by the doorway is a water basin and a towel to wash their feet before they step up to the table and, and sit down. They had to wash their feet. But it wasn't their job to wash their feet. It was a servant's job to wash their feet. But the Bible says that it was here that they were already sitting around the table. And Jesus looks over at the doorway noticing there's a water basin sitting there and a towel And everybody sitting here, nobody washed the other's feet. So it says that he stepped up, walked over to the water basin, took off his outer garment, took the towel up, wrapped it around his waist, took the water basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Think about that. Jesus! Out of all of them sitting there at the table, Jesus is the one that went, hmm. Nobody wanted to serve. Nobody wanted to humble themselves. I've got to show them what real love is. Knowing God loves me, I need to show them the full extent. Of God's love. And listen, he didn't wash the feet of 12 perfect men sitting around a table and we just celebrated three perfect years. We all did right. We all did well. I'm about ready to go. It's going to be celebration time. Woohoo, let's go. This was 12 rough people, let's just say that. Ordinary men. But not just ordinary men. In there was Peter, who while he was Getting ready to wash his feet, Peter tucked up his feet. Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And he says, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And yet he's looking in the face of the one who at his darkest, deepest hour, he's going to run from him. Jesus knows that. Because he even warns him later and says, dude, you're going you're gonna to run away like a scared little girl. When I need you the most, brother, you're going to abandon me. Okay, he didn't say those words, but close enough. Right? You know, and I used to wonder, why did he tell him that? Where was Peter's head? Why didn't he go, duh? You know, he told me this was going to happen. Told him to strengthen his heart. Because there's nothing greater than to hurt the one you love. But he was looking at Peter, knowing that he was going to run from him, and said, give me your feet. I'm going to wash them. And then he goes on through the rest of them and he grabs a hold of his betrayer's feet and he washed them just like he did the rest. Do you understand that God's love, that's what he was showing the full extent, is not based on your what you do or what you don't do. You understand there was both of them right there. It's not what you do, the mistakes you make. It's not on what you don't do. The, the things you fall short of all the time you down on yourself and beat yourself up It's not that he loves you full extent of his loves comes to both to all and He said this is what I'm showing you the full extent of love is that you can you can show this love if you're full of this love When you know and I'm moving out of his love I'm moving from his love to love others That's the communion that they were about. Then he sat down and he showed them something. He said, this body, this this piece of bread here is a symbol of my body. Why? It was about to be broken. And it said that he lifted it up, gave thanks to the father, and then he shared it. And he said, eat it now. Eat it now. He also reminded them to keep doing this. Remember me when you do this understand that he was looking again at his betrayer he was looking again at his deserter and he said i love you both the same you'll have part of me right here it's with you take it communion together so let's do this while you're holding this bread let's just thank thank god thank you father for sending your best was your son your one and only son To be broken for us in our place as our taking upon his body, our penalty for our sin while we were yet sinners. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly offered yourself. Your word says that nobody took your life from you. That you laid it down. Thank you. And we do this today and we do this in remembrance of you. Thank you for your broken body you gave in place for me. And let's take this together. You see, communion is an intimate time of fellowship where we understand God loves us so much. God's God loves us so much that he showed his love by sending his son. And then his son showed his love by showing what it means to love from God's love. That you can love others. You can love your betrayer. You can love your deserter. You can love those that hurt you, those that don't even love you. You can love them all. And then the Bible says that he took the cup that sat before him. This is grape juice. And what they drank was not blood. It was wine. And he lifted up the cup and said, This cup is my blood poured out for you. Listen to that. Poured out for you. Again, looking at his betrayer, looking at his deserter, everyone. That means that you don't have to clean yourself up to get right with God. This blood makes you right. His blood, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection is the new covenant with you, with me. And he lifted up the cup, faint his father. I, I almost, because I paint pictures in my mind all the time, almost think he was lifting up the cup, thanking God for the opportunity he was given. I was the only one Jesus could say that could do this. Thank you for the opportunity, Father. Thank you for the opportunity. Even though later on it says that in the garden he cried, Lord, if there's any other way here at this 12th hour, if you got plan B, Father, I'm in. Right? Hearing no plan B, he goes, okay, no regrets, I'm in. We lift up this cup in remembrance of him, in remembrance of what he paid, what he did. It's not just for the forgiveness of sins, it's for our healing. It's for the renewing of our mind. It's for the new heart, new spirit, new covenant with him. We thank him. Thank you, Father, for your son. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly offering yourself in our place, that you can redeem us, restore us better than before to a new relationship with God, not only with heaven as our home, but also heaven here on earth now, coexisting now for your glory, to honor your name, we thank you, we remember you. Let's turn and get together. You see, again, just like our sin didn't push God to push Jesus out of the off his throne and well it looks like you have to go down to earth and rescue them. It was your value. Same is true, it was your value that drew Jesus to the cross. Because the word said, For the joy set before him, you're the joy. You're the joy. He endured the cross. For the joy set before him, that's the restoration, that's the redeeming, that's the value he has for you, that he endured the cross. And he said, I set you an example. Now go and do what I showed you to do. And it says, blessed is he who does it. Not just believes it. Hell is not terrified by your beliefs. You can believe all you want to believe. says that the demons even believe there is a God. Duh. Right? Duh. And they shudder, kind of like the Mufasa, you know, Lion King movie. Mufasa, ooh, 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 ooh. do it again. You know? God, ooh, 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 you know? They don't care what you believe, but what you walk in, watch out. See, again, it wasn't the ones who listened to Jesus that changed the world. It was those who picked up their cross and followed him that changed the world. Because this changes everything. See, when we walk from God, when we live from God's love, we can show, we can see Jesus' example, how he showed us how to love. And now we can so sow so that love as Jesus loved us John 13 34 through 35 at the end here he says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you think about that we're to love each other as Jesus loves us is his love dependent upon your performance does his love? Rise and and decline depending upon what you do or don't do No, it doesn't change for God so loved the world Why we were yet sinners Christ died for us and we're to love as Jesus loves us Oh, well that sure changes your perspective, doesn't it? Because what do we want to do? We look at people saying, oh, she don't like me, so I'm not going to talk to her. Oh, well, he offended me last week. I'm not talking to him. What, you need somebody to help you move? Well, where were you when I moved? She didn't help me when I moved. I'm not going to help her. hmm Right? Love as Jesus loves you. It's a command. He said, I command you. Because here is it. Here it is. This is the harvest by this all men will know that you are my disciples If you love like this A later scripture says they'll know that God loves them by the way you love one another. What? We carry that responsibility The world will know that God loves them by how we love each other. That should change the way you think about that. That should change the way you love people. How many people have heard others say, oh, I'm not going to church because they're just full of hypocrites. Right? Judgmental. Right? They're all goody two-shoes. Holier than thou, people. I'm not going there. Because that's how we've loved each other. It's not a lie. That's what they've seen. Even if it's not the truth, it's a perceived truth. And a perceived truth means that's what they believe. Because that's how we've loved each other, conditionally. Yet we cry out to Jesus, Love me unconditionally. Because we're trying to move We're trying to love this way Love Jesus, love me unconditionally And Father, just keep pouring your love onto me But then we turn here to our brother and we're sister And we're like, oh, yeah I'll go around that one, don't like that one That's what my my grandson, my two-year-old grandson When he sees the dog coming close he, He goes, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay That's what we want to do. See, we want this unconditional. But then we don't want this. We don't want to live alone. Don't you love people. He says, Love as I have loved you. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say that we're supposed to forgive as he forgives us. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say that if you don't forgive others as God forgives you, what? He won't forgive you. What? There's some circular reasoning for you. So you want to be motivated? Forced to love God. If we're to love others as God loves us, we're to forgive others as God has forgiven us, and He won't forgive us unless we forgive others as He has forgiven us. Well, that'll keep you going around in circles for a while. That should keep you moving, shouldn't it? Do you need forgiving? I I don't know about you, but I need some unconditional. I need some total forgiveness all the time. Every day. I'll tell you, every day I I wake up. Thank you, Lord. You forgave me for yesterday. Help me do better today. I want to love like you. I want to forgive like you. Help me. Jesus help me because the weight of his love for the world is on your shoulders It's on my shoulders We're responsible for that. We're responsible to carry that. It's commanded commanded of us to love others God's so loved This can change everything but it's up to you It's up to you like I said at the beginning You can hear truth and not change a thing It's up to you What we don't realize is that we hold on to petty little things Thinking that they're more important when he's saying I'm most important Not me, I, he, him We hold on to things that we think are more important when he's saying I have what's most important But you won't let go of what you think is more important I've told this story before and I'll share it again that it's a story of a little girl named Jenny and she was at the grocery store with her mom and and at the grocery store there was this little tin foil box there with a little strand of pearls and she's like mommy can I have it? I mean like five six years old mommy can I have it? I want I want I want I want I want I want and mom picks it up and looks at the back two dollars well Jenny two dollars you have what fifty cents in your piggy bank at, at home now You do some extra chores, you can earn some extra money. Your birthday's coming soon. Grandma usually gives you that crisp $1 bill. Don't we wish we could still do that? And you'll save up for it yourself, and you'll buy it yourself, and it will mean more to you that way, right? I mean, that's a good mom. So Jenny got right home, got busy, started doing some chores around the house, went to the neighbor's house. Ask the neighbor could I pick dandelions out of your yard for 10 cents and so she's picking dandelions she's earning her money and sure enough birthday comes along and grandma one dollar bill she had two dollars now and she went back to the dime store bought the little pearl necklace, dime store necklace she was so happy she wore those necklaces that necklace everywhere it was her most prized possession look it she felt beautiful she was all dressed up all the time Except she couldn't wear it when she took a bath because mama said that it would turn her neck green So we took it off during the bath time But every night jenny's dad would go to her bedside read her a story pray with her And then he asked her one night jenny could I have your pearls? Jenny goes, oh daddy, no, not my pearls. Here, you can have my pink pony, my pink pony. is beautiful pink. And you get a hairbrush with it because you brush that little mane like that. Here, daddy, you can have my pony. And her dad says, no, that's okay, and gives her a kiss, says goodnight to her. The next night, he does the same thing, reads her the story, prays with her, and then asks her again, Jenny, can I have your pearl necklace? Oh no, Teddy, my pearl necklace. And you know I love my pearl necklace. It makes me feel so beautiful. I need my pearl necklace. Here, you can have my baby doll. You know I love this baby doll. She's my favorite toy. You can have her. And he said, no, thank you. And again, he left. Day after day, week after week, he did the same thing every night, routinely asking her, could I have your pearl necklace? until finally one night he comes into her room and there's that little six year old seven year old sitting on her bed grasping something tightly in her hand crying and he comes in the room what's wrong jenny what's wrong she couldn't even respond all she could do is hold up a little fist and opened it up to her dad and there was a pearl necklace she says here daddy you can have it So he takes the pearl necklace and he slips it in his one pocket and out of his other pocket He pulls out a velvet box and he opens it up and hands her a real pearl necklace He said "Do you know how long I've waited for you to trust me enough To give me that one so I can give you something better And see, why do we hold on to our little piddly, petty things for so long thinking that they mean everything to us? And God's saying, if you just trust me enough and let it go, I've got something better for you. See, what we try to pretend and what we try to counterfeit our feelings of love for each other is not even close to comparing to what he wants to pour in us and through us. Our ideas of heaven aren't some grandeur sometime when Jesus comes back. Things are now. He's saying, do you understand it's now? To rule and reign now. The resurrection. Greater things that we'll do than even Jesus did now. But we hold on to those little things that we think matter so much more to us than anything else. And God's saying, I've got what matters most. Do you trust me? see until we know let go of those little things and then let, and let our mind go to receive all of God's love for us God so loved us Jesus showed us how we can get down and wash the feet of other and love other people not depending on their performance but out of his love for others so that the world will know that God loves them by how we love each other when we do that this changes everything everything would you stand up I want to close this message today by just drawing you into drawing you into a place and I want you to focus all your attention like paradigms right there, binocular focus on God and I want you to just open your heart like you never have before and let God so touch you this morning with a realization of his love there's at times when I when I do this and I ask God I just want to open up just so much of my heart right now and just let me help help me to Feel your love for me and it will feel like my heart's gonna explode inside of me and I mean it's like I can't even take a deep breath sometimes he just and I know it's just like an eye eyedropper of love and he says how's that and I'm like Ugh. oh and he says that's how much I love you and see we can't do this until we first do that and take that so i want you all to just close your eyes and just open up to him and say that in your own words god right now show me the extent or show me just a proper whoa just a drop of your love for me make it personal for me for me show me god god so love me Let him fill you, let him fill you, let him fill you, let him fill you. I believe that the Holy Spirit will come around and at times, if you're listening for him, if you're listening for him, you'll hear him. Bring to your mind, bring to your memory, maybe things you're holding on to or things that you're doing. That he says right there that that's keeping you that's keeping you from receiving That's keeping you it doesn't stop his love, but it keeps you from coming into His fullness He said if you just let go of that one thing right there If you let go of those dime store pearls I've got something better. And let go. If he's he's touching things like that in your life, let it go right now. Tell him, Lord, forgive me. Held on to that for so long. Forgive me. Forgive me for that. Let your love wash through me. Let your love wash through me. Fill every area of my life. God, fill me up so full, so full of your love, so I can love. As Jesus showed me how to love. And Christians, this is this is for you too. Because if you found yourself being easily offended or uh, hurt, it's just showing the lack in those areas and just ask, just repent of them. God, I'm sorry, Lord, and I've lived with less than your full love. You know the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation pushes you to run from God. Look what you did. You're a failure. You're a sinner. Run before God gets you. That's condemnation. As if your actions, your mistake is who you are. But conviction, conviction compels you and draws you to the feet of Jesus. Because when you're loving, when you can feel God's love in you and flowing through you, when he shows you things in your life that you need to let go, it draws you. You see yourself through God's eyes your value is based on his love for you and you know it's like you can see what he's got in his pocket for you god i'm sorry i made this mistake or i did this or i'm holding on to this and god i'm coming right now i'm running to you and i'm laying this down because i know you got something better for me i'm here that's the difference between conviction and condemnation Conviction draws you, conviction draws you. So let's do that. Let's close this service by just coming up front and let's just worship together. But also let's find a place up here where you can just say, God, I lay it all down right now because I need all of you. Fill me with all of you. God, so love. God, I just need you to fill me. I don't want you to run out today. I want you to go out today going from his love. So come up and let's just get filled up. Let's get filled up. First time, second time, hundredth time, continually